To the E, to the H-A-D, it's only my name, not war on your country. Get your facts right before you start spreading. Jihad is a struggle in the direction I'm heading. I ain't no sheikh, I ain't As long as they love Sharia and hate democracy, that's fine. You have to hate it. The values of democracy are not incompatible with the values of Islam. With regards to voting, I think that's too extreme if someone says it's shirk. There are some scholars who permit voting. Democracy. 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 And Ali makes a very important point. He says, no, the Quran is a book written in straight lines between two countries. It requires interpretation. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is my pleasure to welcome my listeners to UK Radio, Al-Quran Al-Karim Radio of Australia, and the first night uh, of the English language program live. A program so new, I've yet to give it a name. So inshallah, we'll fix that next time we have a program. We'll help you out during the program. Inshallah. Um, our topic today is the issue of elections in Australia and the Muslim community's role in it. So diverse opinions from thinkers, scholars, and laymen telling us how to vote, who to vote for, to block vote, to you know choose the lesser evil, to abstain, to hate democracy, to love labor, to hate liberals, etc. All the while politicians and the media are playing tag with the Muslim community, choosing from an array of contentious and sometimes trivial issues to create space for more votes and more watchers. Tonight, our guests, inshallah, are going to discuss these issues. It is not a debate, it is an open discussion. I actually made the mistake of calling it a debate and got into hot water with them. Um, they are, first we're starting with Abdullah Zaid, is the executive member of FAMSI. He's an executive member of FAMSI and has been involved in the developing youth leadership and recreational programs for several years. He is currently completing a Master's of Teaching at the University of Western Sydney and I think he's already got a uh, double degree in um, neuroscience and international business. Uh, forensic biology. Yeah, forensic biology and international business. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa nasir and jazakallah khair for inviting me here. It's a good, great opportunity to be here. Inshallah, thank you very much. Uh, Brother Atman Badr, or as he likes to be called by his friends at A Current Affair, uh, Atman Badr is the media representative for Hezbollah Tahrir Australia. He is currently completing a PhD in economics at the University of Western Sydney in the area of Islamic economics. Thank you very much for coming. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, just a reminder, brothers and sisters, that if you want to call up, you can. Our number is 02. I'm hoping people from Melbourne might call. 02 9724 uh, Just also another reminder that if you don't want to call in and you want to leave us uh, some comments, uh, you can do so through the Facebook page. Um, or also you can uh, tweet us. At the present time, QK Radio doesn't have a tweet account, so you can just use mine, which is naza underscore... Uh, I think K-A-T, yeah, N-A-Z-A underscore K-A-T at Twitter, inshallah. And a final reminder that we'll be starting now, and at 9 o'clock we will be playing the um, Arabic news segment for our Arabic listeners and continuing on, on until 9.30, inshallah. So starting with myself, um, what did I vote for the last elections for New South Wales? I didn't vote because I happen to be a Kiwi, and thus I am unable to vote in Australia. But um, how about you, Abdullah? What did you vote for this year? Um, what did I vote for? I can't really remember what I voted for. I did vote. I did undertake my um, democratic right to take part in the elections and also my 
obligation as an Australian citizen to uh, to vote, which is what uh, every Australian is privileged uh, to have the opportunity to do that. And, and I did vote. I'm not sure who I voted for. Um, it wasn't Labor or Liberal. But then again, it's really a private thing who you vote for. Depends on what what you're trying to uh, weigh up on the day. Okay, inshallah. And uh, Brother Uthman, I, I will venture to ask what you, who you voted for. Where are you going down now? A dangerous path there. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'd say that the, the, the options on the ballot uh, offer a very unenviable choice. Uh, so really, I'd say I voted for a different way, a third way, uh, and I would argue a better way, um, away from uh, what is essentially, I would argue, a corrupt and morally bankrupt system. And inshallah, in the discussion tonight, uh, hopefully we can substantiate and discuss those points. So who were they on the ballot box? The uh, What party was that? What group was that? That was the one in the footnotes. Okay. That's what I said. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so just for the record, did you vote or did you not vote? No, I didn't vote. Okay. I don't vote. Are you enrolled to vote? Uh, <laughs> I thought you said it's a personal thing. <laughs> well, no, it's personal who you voted for, but if you're enrolled, it's a different thing if you are or you're not. Yeah, I don't think that's important. Um, I think I am enrolled. Uh, not sure. So you're uh, waiting for the fine in the mail for not voting. You would, would have to get it in, uh, registered, wouldn't you? It's against the law to... Uh, well, if you're enrolled, you, you get... Well, no, actually, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a misconception out there in the community about uh, the compulsion of voting um, in insofar as uh, the legislation actually allows for abstentions. Uh, and it says on valid grounds, sufficient and valid grounds to be exact, and one of which explicitly mentions to be on religious grounds. Okay. Uh, so you don't really have to vote uh, if uh, you have a valid reason which is that your religion does not allow you yeah, yeah. to vote. So whether you wait for the fine or you write the reason or, you know, you donkey vote yeah. is, I think, beyond the point. Um, but the idea is that there's a, there's a different way of political activism which we, which we would uh, advocate. Okay. Um, my question also was about the futility or usefulness of voting. Um, some people would say that voting doesn't really make any difference because it's the same two major parties and any sort of extra votes that don't go to them, go to independents or Greens or you know, Christian Democrats or whoever else, is not going to make that much of a difference. The results are the same. If they want to go to Iraq, they can. Um, if they want to ban the niqab, they can. It just doesn't seem that the Muslim community is such a strong block that it can sway votes that much. Well, I, I, I agree with that, but I'd go beyond that and say it's not just the Muslims, uh, even if they were a strong block. Um, I will say, though, that for, for, for us as Muslims, the, the, the primary consideration would be uh, the Islamic ruling on the issue first and foremost, which I think we can discuss perhaps. But yes, even on the question of uh, this idea to tactically vote for to gain some benefits, the reality is that uh, the system is such that uh, even Western thinkers are now uh, arguing that democracy has become more of what is called an oligarchy, which is that it serves the economic elite. Uh, so the political parties don't actually serve the people, they serve interest groups. And that means regardless of whether you're small or large, in effect, it's a very small group of rich and wealthy who effectively decide the policy. And that's why if you look at all the major areas of policy, whether it be foreign policy, corporations policy, business and finance policy, and the like, you find cosmetic difference between the major parties and even the minor parties, really. Mm. It's like, are we going to spend more on health or education? But what's your difference there's no essential difference in your education policy or their health policy. It's just cosmetic changes. So uh, that's that's I think that's a fundamental consideration okay. that the system is such it does not serve the people uh, regarding, regardless of what the, what the theory says. Okay, so this is one issue, is the issue of the core of the democratic process in Australia that is completely 
um, I guess, like you said, cosmetic, that it's just a, um, a facade that everybody sort of believes in, but it doesn't work because, you know, the, the major um, players are the ones who get what they want done. Well, that's right. There's, there's more rhetoric than, yeah, yeah, yeah. than reality with democracy yeah. as it's currently practiced. Yeah. Abdullah, what, what do you think of that? I mean, in the end of the day, if the Muslims were to, you know, uh, vote bloc, and if there was, you know, enough sort of uh, interest from the, I guess, the board of imams or something to, you know, ask all the Muslims or the majority of Muslims, you know, Sunni Shia and everything to vote towards one party, that would that make enough of a change for us to see, you know, better changes towards us? I mean, um, it just doesn't seem like it. It seems that the only good that we're for, um, you know, we're only good for fodder for, uh, you know, media and uh, pol- um, politicians. Well, first of all, um, I think it's it's important to point out there's no single uh, agreed upon definition of democracy. Uh, we we know we hear different um, notions and versions. Uh, there is such a concept of democracy within Islam, which is perhaps not what we have here in a Western, I guess, uh, in shorthand, a Western liberal democracy is what we sort of uh, live under. Uh, essentially, what it, the notion of it is uh, is people about having a say about the decisions that affect their daily lives. And it's, it's pretty ludicrous to sit here and say that, you know, if we can't, you know, as two or 300,000 Muslims get what we want, uh, we shouldn't vote. That's a very pacifist and very narrow uh, sort of uh, mindset to have, especially when uh, you look in terms of the numbers that have changed over the years in Australia. If you go back 40 years, it was a white Australia policy as migrants have come in. Policies have changed, as have the, uh, you know, the foreign policies of, of major parties. It's correct to say that you know there's maybe a semantic change between Liberal and Labor, uh, but to sit here and say we're not going to vote because Labor and Liberal are virtually the same thing, we're going to get, get the same thing all the time, uh, is is a very narrow way to think, especially when uh, the, some of the minor parties are controlling uh, passage of laws through the upper house, both federally and as we've just seen the state uh, parliament, which is just changing at the moment. So I think uh, for Muslims, it's essential to take part, to have their voice heard, mm-hmm. uh, to sit there and say that, oh, it's not going to count, it's not going to you know, pay credence to anything. Uh, and, and looking at those, uh, th- that other picture of, you know, uh, I guess, a, a failed system or uh, you know, the ideals or the ideas behind everything that haven't changed for many years, uh, people need to, to have that change. If we sit back, nothing's going to change. But we've just seen, for example, in Egypt, in Tunisia, in Syria, as they're doing at the moment. If people have sat back for 30, 40 years, nothing will change. People need to move, need to, t- you know, have their voice heard. Eventually it'll happen. It might not happen overnight, but that's the essence of democracy and it's a, a very fundamental thing of Islam. Okay, now we're digressing a little bit towards what's happening in the Middle East, which I think uh, every uh, live interview out there in the world digresses to because it's such exciting news. Um, well, it's really just the concept of movement for me. Yeah. Uh, if you sit here and say, we're not going to take part, we're going to take another avenue, mm. well, you're going to be like the people that have been in Tunisia for 30, 40, 40 years because mm. they've done exactly that. You know, they can't change the system. We're just going to sit here yeah. and wait for something else to happen. It's, okay. it's a ludicrous notion. All right. Um, Othman? I, th- I think the, the revolutions show the opposite, to be honest. Uh, yeah. well, I mean, because fundamentally, we're not saying uh, don't vote and don't do anything. Uh, if we were saying that, I think the argument that Abdullah makes would be very valid. But what we're saying is there's a different way of political activism. So I mean, we have to establish Islam is inherently a religion that asks you to be active. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That this is the book we have sent down to you, O Muhammad. So they may take the people from the darkness into the light. That's not an individual thing that a person does. It's a collective obligation. So there's no disagreement on the nature of on the need to be active, but the question is through which means. 
Uh, and so what's happened in Tunisia and Egypt is not people going to the ballot box, which they were, that's what they were doing for the last 30 years, but they've gone outside the system and said, we're coming out onto the streets. We don't care what your system is. We want you to go. But let me just make a quick, um, um, so what's the word I'm looking for? Interjection here. Yep. Um, you're talking about the democracy over there and democracy over here. Now, it's very clear that even though they call it democracy, it's not really democracy. I mean, I, I grew up in Iraq, and what we learned was that we were living in a democracy, which was basically if you even say the name of the president and laugh, that puts you in jail for 15 yeah. years. Sure. So that you, that can't really be used as a model for a failed democracy. It never was a democracy in the first place. In Australia, even though, I mean, we may not like the policies, and if we may not um, you know, uh, think that voting is really going to make a difference, at the end of the day, we do have a lot of freedoms and it may be even that the media sort of tries to put a clamp on us and make us look like evil people we say sort of what we feel at the end of the day this democracy is not like the democracy in libya or tunisia yeah, or sure, Egypt. I'm, I'm not arguing they're the same uh, but i think it still shows the difference between working within the system and outside the system mm. the change did not come for them to do anything that was mm. within the parameters set by the state they had to move outside the parameters set by the state mm. so that essential argument applies across the board that if you understand that the state is corrupt mm. to whatever degree, mm. whether it's professional or not professional, okay. uh, that you, if you if you play the game their game within the system, they define the rules, not you. Mm. So you need to move outside that, define your own agenda instead of okay. merely reacting to a status quo, yeah. and uh, and move forward on that basis. So, so what we've seen, sorry, if I can just comment, no, um, in places like Tunisia and Egypt, uh, although you've said you know they've been voting for many years and they just get the same person. Essentially, people have taken a stand now because they want that opportunity to have what we have here is the opportunity to vote, have their voices heard, and to engage in that political process. People in Egypt clearly said they don't want this to be some Islamic uh, Al-Qaeda-based sort of you know revolution. It's purely for them to go out there and experience uh, purely and simply democracy, You know, having that opportunity uh, to engage in their ideas and have a decision about, about what's affecting their lives, which they haven't had for many years. Yeah, which yeah. is essentially democracy. That's exactly what they've wanted. Okay. Well, that's what the right. BBC says. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't agree. Well, no. This is certainly. what this is what Egyptians and Tunisians have said. Uh, unless you haven't been watching the news, that's precisely well, that's what, what they've the been news. saying. <laughs> no, that's what I said. The, the news coming from these people, not from the organisations like the BBC and the ABC. The, I think you have people blogging in Egypt, in Tunisia, straight from the people who who are living there. Yeah, sure. Of course, you, you've also you you got those those certain classes that will call for. That form of democracy, but the point you made earlier about the difference between Western secular uh, liberal democracy—I mean, the Muslims in Egypt are not—that's uh, not what they're calling for. Uh, and even when they say democracy, generally what they mean is representative, accountable governance. Well, as I said in, in the, the beginning, sense. there's no singular definition of democracy. And as I said, as the premise, it's essentially a system uh, in terms of its ideals, where people have the ability to have uh, a decision. Uh, about the rules that affect their lives, uh, yep. whether it's the liberalised form that we have here, mm. which is perhaps uh, you would argue is you know far on the extreme left compared to what people would want in the Middle East. It's quite okay. different. All right. Um, just uh, a note that I'm getting people on the Facebook page asking how they can contribute. Um, you can either call up our number, and this is very exciting. We actually have someone from Chicago, so uh, yeah, <laughs> we've made it. <laughs> yeah, you can either call our uh, landline number, which is O two. Nine seven two four double three double five, or you can post up uh, on the wall for the um, page. Oh yeah, sorry, it's a plus six one, o two etc. If you're outside of Australia, uh, or you can just post up on the uh, on the Facebook page, and we will read it out inshallah as we receive it. Um, okay, let's move away from this and get back to the next thing. Now, it is some people's opinion 
that democracy in itself can be taken advantage of, that it's a very promiscuous word that's been used in a, a number of different contexts. Some of these contexts may be you know, under an authoritarian system, under an, uh, a dictatorship, etc. And that the um, framework of democracy can actually be Im implemented onto Sharia. And so you can have sort of, you know, a democracy in the ways of, you know, uh, uh, ruling, but the core of the system would still be, you know, Islamic values um, that at the end of the day are going towards the same thing, which is, you know, um, um, sort of applying justice to the people. Um, can I have your opinions on this, starting with Uthman? Yes, uh, uh, I would uh, I disagree with that. Um, two points, obviously, it's a larger discussion, but two key points I think are important here. Uh, one is, uh, Abdullah has said, this democracy has no agreed-upon definition. Most words uh, you know, of, a, of a political science nature or ideological they don't have agreed-upon definitions, but there's always an essence that people agree upon, and there's some details that people differ upon. Yep. So with democracy, no Western uh, you know, political scientists will disagree that the essence of democracy is the fact that the people are sovereign. That's what the word means. It comes from the Greek demos kratos which means the demos, the citizenry, the people, yeah. rule. I think maybe Qaddafi would uh, disagree with <laughs> okay, you. Okay, well, he's not a Western political scientist. <laughs> um, in any case, that's one point. So so there is an essence of democracy upon which 99% of people would agree, and it contravenes Islam. The second point I'll make is, I mean, even if you were able to Islamize democracy, so you would say, okay, let's get rid of these sort of difficult, problematic aspects and do that, you're still sort of engaging in a rather disingenuous exercise because the point is, Prophet came with Islam as a complete package. Now, are you suggesting that Islam doesn't have a political framework? If it doesn't, then we would be in the need to take what are, what are effectively are foreign ideologies, foreign systems, you know, democracy is a Greek come Western uh, system, and say, well, we need to modify this a little bit, and then here we go. But the Prophet has come to you with a political framework. You've got it there. And so implicitly what you're, what you're saying is that, you know, in, in some form or way, uh, the revelation is deficient. Obviously, no one, no Muslim believes that. Yeah, yeah. But if you think deeply enough, mm. you've got it there. It's there. The political framework is there. Okay. The system of Islam is there. Mm. It has accountability. It has representative government. Years before the you know the Western thinkers of the Enlightenment uh, could even count uh, okay. up to three. And so, so they, ca they can't um, be sort of used, uh, you know, compatibly. So w within each other, sort of completing each other. This I is not think there are clearly democratic principles in. Uh, the, the political systems which you've talked about, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu uh, had uh, taken part in in those times. H how can you almost admit the fact that when the Prophet Sallallahu passed away, um, he did not appoint a successor and said it was left upon the people who remained uh, to decide to select amongst themselves the, the successor? That is essentially, essentially a democratic process. And we've seen that with other uh, Khalifats where some of them had an almost monarchy sort of system like the Umayyads and the Abbasids. Uh, and others, uh, for example, like the Rashidun, had very democratic, democratically styled states where you know representative leaders would would cast their vo their votes and their voices on behalf of whoever their representative. Those those principles are you know part of that democratic principle, democratic ideal. And to think of it in reverse, going from the current Western era and pulling it back to Islam is incorrect. These things were around at the time of Islam. There are there are democratic ideals which. As Muslims, we have every right to take part in, and we should take part in. Well, I just I mean, the, the point is, why would you go back to 400 years and say this is a democratic principle instead of saying this is an Islamic principle? Well, no, that's exactly what I'm pointing out. You just said there was no way that you know the Islamic principles can mix with de democracy. That's a clear example of how it can. No, no, but what I'm saying is at the time of the Prophet, the, the incidents you note are Islamic principles, but you're going now back 
into the kind of saying, well, it's a de- why is it? De- so when you say it's a democratic principle, you're putting yeah. democracy as the standard. I'm saying the opposite. That's Islam, right? And yes, democracy will have certain aspects of Islam in it, but at the same time, we have a lot of un-Islamic aspects. Why but wouldn't you say that at the beginning, where you just totally shunned democratic ideals by negating them? By because democracy wasn't future. around 400 years ago. Islam was That's so you could point. essentially so, say those principles uh, are in both I mean is it just a matter of semantics no, that they sort of both go towards like, the same like this, I can say that Islam has communist principles because you know people have the right for food water and shelter food water and shelter right mm-hmm. but those are Islamic principles which communism has communism comes after not the other way around right so communism come afterwards you'd say Communism has certain aspects of Islam and certain non-Islamic aspects. So does democracy, so does Christianity, so does any other ideology. But the point is, Islam is complete. Why do you need to go to other ideologies, other systems and say, well, if we just do this, or if we do that, or if we fidget with this, then we've got something we can use. You've got it in the Quran and Sunnah. Through Ishtihad, you would come out with a political framework set for the modern world, which in large part essentially will be the same as... Uh, what the Khulafa al-Rashidin did, and, and there you go. You advocate the system and work to implement it. Well, n- okay. Nobody's arguing that Islam isn't a complete package. I mean, you'd be crazy to even you know suggest the notion that it wasn't. You know, Everyone uh, who's Muslim should be able to accept that as fact, and I do as well. Uh, but what we were speaking about is, are there democratic ideals or can they be meshed together? Uh, as Muslims, we most certainly have the examples that you've mentioned, as I've mentioned, of those principles, whether you take them backwards or forwards, existed in Islam as part of that complete package. Does that Islamic complete package exist anywhere in the world? You know, for example, I think I heard this quote uh, from a, a doctor in Dubai who's a political scientist, and he, he says that this life is about justice and oppression. The next life is about the believers and the non-believers. So, in essence, I, I doubt there is a system that exists out there with that complete Islamic package where we can live under. So the best thing we can do, uh, obviously it's not the perfect thing, is to live in a just and a non-oppressed society. And I think we have that here to, to, to a certain degree in Australia. Well, I'd argue that what you would do if you didn't have the system is to work to implement that system. Um, How would you go about doing that? Well, that's a different discussion. We can have it if you want, but we go off topic. This is actually something very interesting to me because you did mention, and, and um, I really like that idea, is the fact that the people in the Middle East or you know in these countries that had the revolutions and the uprisings, yep. they did that because the system they were working under, the you know the um, uh, democratic systems, and I'm sort of dictatorship, putting my uh, fingers up, um, that it's um, you know it's not really a democratic system, or at least it's not a fair system because at the end of the yep. day, it's just a system put as a facade to the outsiders and maybe the gullible insiders yep. to shut everyone down, and so they had to go outside the system. Uh, through uprisings and through protests to be able to change it. And so what you're saying again here in Australia is that even though there is no violence, there is still a facade of democracy. And the fact is um, that, you know, people don't usually vote for what they want. They just vote for whoever looks better. And at the end of the day, policies, um, you know, dictated from higher up get applied. So in, in Australia... If you wanted to go outside the system, of course, we're not going to go on protests because these are illegal and they're still no, under the democratic We have the, fr- the freedom to, uh, you know, freedom of speech. We can protest. You yeah. can't go and um, destroy things. And a, yeah. a, an important note just to make, the Egyptians was largely a, a peaceful uh, revolution. There was no, mm. people didn't, you know, carry arms and, you know, fire mm. grenades or anything like that. If anything, it was precisely the right that people have in democratic countries. They can go out there, express their opinions mm. freely. No, I mean, um, that, that, I mean, the fact that it was a, a, um, a peaceful protest um, is, is just adds to the genuinity of it. I mean, it Most could have been a violent protest as well and it still would have been justified. But within Australia, 
if you're talking about going from outside the democratic system, how do you propose doing that? Well, we have to be clear. Um, obviously, the parallels are only uh, relevant to a certain extent. So we're certainly not calling for an uprising against Julia Gillard in the way there was an uprising against I'm sure Bukhara. Kevin Rudd will take care of that for us. <laughs> Uh, but the, the, the point is, we will we look at this issue as not a uh, lim- uh, not a uh, exclusively local one. If you do that, if you say the question for us is about like, what do we do here in Australia, and that's it, then you come to this problem about well, do we change the system? Can we not change the system? And so on and so forth. Mm. The reality is, when we talk about participation or the question of integration or identity, are you Muslim or Australian or are you Australian or Muslim or whatever you are? Uh, ex- all these issues are connected, right? And and they also have they have a global aspect to them as well um, and, and the connection between Western foreign policy and what happens in the Muslim world and so forth so what we would say as Brother Abdullah pointed out that the Islamic system doesn't exist anywhere in the world and so the, the, the obligation on the Muslims collectively the Ummah as a whole is to establish that system and what you would do in Australia is to contribute as Muslims in UK and US and so forth would do contribute from here to that effort which you can do in many ways given that you know the Western role in the Muslim world is one of the major obstacles to uh, that come into fruition so the point is you would have a global objective and you would act locally for that at the same time we can't ignore our local needs we need mosques we need centers we need to okay. look at the uh, identity of our future generations the Islam and so forth yep. how do we do that again on that part I would, we would argue that you don't need to go down the path of participation there is a grassroots activism path mm-hmm. outside the system yep. that would be much more uh, noble given the corrupt corrupt nature of this system uh, and much more in line with uh, Islam at the same time. But if we're talking about corruption, there's corruption everywhere. Well, the thing I'm confused about is you just mentioned that we should uh, contribute, you know, internationally, not you know, think globally and act locally. Mm. Uh, what exactly are we contributing and to whom? Uh, where, are we, where are we sending these efforts? What countries are you talking about? Talking and about what exactly are we doing over there? Well, what we're doing, okay. It's a different topic, but I'll quickly uh, answer those questions. What we're doing is working to establish the Islamic uh, system of life or the Khilafah which is the Islamic system of governance right where in the Muslim world uh, and because it, because uh, this task involves two main things which is the the garnering of uh, political opinion uh, public opinion in support of this change and and then also uh, garnering support of the people of influence of power to implement this change you can do that obviously most directly from those lands, but you can do it from here as well. So are you saying that you, as part of your organization, has been contributing to the change that's been happening in the Middle East? No, no, I'm not talking about those uprisings. That's, that's something that's come and we have to look at that and assess it from so the So has Hizbut Tahrir been doing nothing for the last 20 or 30 years? No, of course not. It's I will um, stop you there, yeah. even though I would actually love to hear that answer. So I'm going to jot it down here and we're going to answer that question when we come back, inshallah. Time Dear listeners, uh, we're going to take a little break. Um, the time is now nine o'clock and that's the time in Australia for the Arabic news segment so please stay tuned it's about eight minutes so we'll be back at about 9.08 all right uh, assalamu alaikum the news segment um, just a reminder to all our listeners out there that if you want to make a phone call from outside of Australia hopefully uh, the number is um, 02 9724335 and you can also leave a comment on the Facebook page or tweet me on my uh, tweet account NAZA underscore KAT which is my name in some instances okay so we go back to the brothers thank you very much for waiting as well um, Uthman 
Hezbollah Tahrir was established 1953 by Taqiyuddin al in Palestine. Uh, Abdullah's question was, in the last 60-odd years... I mm. didn't say 60 years. What I said in the last 20, 30 years of Hezbollah okay. Tahrir acti- activity, uh, what have they been doing to contribute yeah. to this... Yeah, Khalifa well, I'll take that question in the context in of the discussion, which is about our what we're proposing to be the the, the alternative approach, uh, and that is to work outside the system to to work for public opinion for the change that you want, which is a, a, a radical revolutionary change, as opposed to some sort of you know minor reform or changes here in the system or in that aspect of the system, a couple of constitution articles that need to be changed or so forth. So, uh, public opinion at the same time seeking the material support that you need to establish a state. And in essence, uh, to appreciate it in a greater context, it's what the Prophet did in Mecca, where well, we, we don't well, well, we don't find him, you know, building hospitals or, or dealing with these these core issues which were there as well: poverty, economic backwardness, oppression of women. But we don't find him dealing with these in a way focused on trying to deal with the poverty by itself, or this by itself, or that by itself, um, which he could have. But rather we find a focus on what we would call the ideological aspect and the political side, which is the leaders of the time. Mm-hmm. right? And so after 13 years, he really has not uh, done much more than focus on these areas which have allowed him to garner a public opinion in the region, even outside of Mecca. He's won the Nusra from the tribes of Aws and Khazraj after trying many other tribes over two or three years yeah. and established a state and then he's moved forward in, again, as I would say, a, a radical revolutionary manner. And I use those terms, obviously, in the uh, in the in the technical meanings, uh, so that's that's the that's the that's the approach. As opposed, and this is the point. This is really, I would say, the the option we have. We can say, look, we live here in Australia or the UK. We've got a system. Yeah, it's not exactly Islamic, but it's got these aspects which are sort of kind of Islamic. Uh, so let's work to make sure we've got our mosques and our schools and so forth, which are all important considerations. But you're really lowering the bar. You're certainly not going to achieve what the companions achieved and the Prophet achieved and what is the mandate of the Ummah, which is to lead the world. I mean, that's the question. If you accept that that's what Islam requires us to do, to take the world from the darkness into mm-hmm. the light, that, by the impression of Islam, how will you go be, yeah. well, from... I mean, it depends if you accept that... Sorry, were you going to No, say? no, just uh, that's a much farther scope than we actually want to get into. Well, well not necessarily. Well, I mean, if, if you don't vote, you don't take part in the, the action that's happening. If you go around the edges, as you just mentioned, um, and you ex- you accept the fact that you just, oh, if you uh, mention that, you know, people who vote just sit there, want their mosques, their schools, uh, and just sit back and do that. Obviously, it's not going to advance uh, Muslims, the community, uh, their needs and their ideals if you just, you know, tick the box, sit at home and hope for things to happen. That's not what, um, you know, the democratic principles rely upon. What it relies upon is people to take action, to be politically active, to be engaged. You need your voice to be heard. The first thing, the first part of that is voting. If 350,000 Muslims in Australia, or I think that's about 220,000 who actually can vote, whether or not they're enrolled is a different thing, sat at home and didn't vote, uh, how would anyone get the message that we wanted things to change? The perfect example is right now in the New South Wales uh, Upper House. Uh, the Liberals, I think, have 19 seats. Labor has 14. The Greens have five. The, the shooting party and fishing party have two. Uh, and Fred Nile has one. So essentially, the Conservatives, which are the shooters and Fred Nile, are naturally going to pass every law they want. So all Fred Nile's got to do is put in a, a bill for the burqa and it can be banned. Whereas if Muslims, I think it's about 120,000 this state, could have uh, voted, uh, I'm not saying they should have voted for a certain person, but you can see how one or two seats in the upper house 
uh, can change, you know, a bill passing or not passing. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that that would actually happen, it's a different scenario. Okay. But, you know, voting essentially requ- is the first part of being yeah. engaged in democratic processes. Um, just a note I wanted to make that I uh, put up a... Um post on my um, Facebook account because I don't know actually how to put it on the uh, Facebook group uh, a poll a question poll about to what extent can we engage in the political process in Australia I just wanted to get sort of um, an idea about what the people thought the, the Muslims out there and I got a statistically insignificant uh, result because I only had about 17 people answer inshallah in the next uh, poll that I'm going to have it's going to be connected to the group so many people will know about it but in this insignificant Uh, poll, um, a lot of people actually um, selected the run for prime minister. Let me just run through it quickly. The the um, uh, choices I gave were not all, n- not at all. So uh, not to um, engage in political de- de- um, the political process at all in Australia because it's haram. Uh, another vote is just to vote. Another one is to form lobby groups, and another one is to run for local elections, and finally to run for prime minister. So we had sort of five votes for no, because democracy is haram, and then we had another seven votes for running for prime minister, and in the middle we had about five votes. So really, Uthman, mm. you lose. <laughs> yeah, look, I, well, it is insignificant. I got my hands up here, I give up. <laughs> no, no, well, you've already accepted that it's insignificant, but I think the way you designed that, there's like one option on what we're arguing, there's four options on the other side. That's oh, there's true. four options of, of the way you can vote or can participate, there's only one. Which again, the point is, if you say it that way, people are going to understand what Abdullah first understood, which is that you're saying, don't vote and just sit at home and expect things to come from, from the heavens, uh, which is not what we're saying. So, you know, you can, if you can change that next inshallah, time, please. Inshallah. Uh, we, we'll, we will change it. No, no, um, definitely, inshallah. Okay. Uh, Brother Yasser from, on Facebook is asking, what's the number? So I guess he hasn't been listening um, for the beginning part of our show, but that's okay. The number is 02-9724-3355. You can call it any time, inshallah. All right. Um, so let's go back to the um, uh, the the press release drafted by the Board of Imams in New South Wales, which told us how to vote. Now, uh, Uthman, I know that you know for you you're you're against voting completely, but let's pretend that we can all vote. Uh, how sort of um, appropriate? <laughs> we can all vote. <laughs> we don't need to pretend. Yes, of course. Uh, how appropriate is it for the Board of Imams to draft such a decision, which they're not calling a fatwa, they're just calling it a suggestion of who to vote for and who to not vote for? Uh, is that the place of the Board of Imams to, um, you know, draft such a, um, a press release? Or is it up to sort of individual Muslims? Or is it up to, you know, uh, more political organizations rather than a, you know, a spiritual leadership organization? Abdullah? Well, I don't... Uh, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, Abdullah. Okay, well, um, to first of all, to point out, I mean, I think other organizations do similar things, whether they're religious, uh, commercial bodies. For example, I'm a part of the Teachers' Federation. I got a message saying that we think implicitly you should vote for this group because it's best for teachers. So it's to whether or say it's allowed or not, I think it's part of the the political uh, you know picture here in Australia. Uh, whether or not it's for the Imams Council to be part of it, I'm not sure. That's up to them. They can make their own judgments on what they think is you know applicable to the community and, and what they do. I'm not really in a position to say uh, if what they did was right or wrong. I think... It's some form of political engagement, whether I agree with who they endorse or who they chose to endorse is a different situation. Yeah, look, I think uh, it depends where that question is coming from. If it's coming from this angle of there should be a distinction between the spiritual and, 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 and the, the temporal or the, or the, the political, I'd, I'd certainly disagree with that because uh, you know, we understand Islam doesn't have that distinction. So there's no clergy that does its own clergy stuff and other people who take care of the world. 
Um, but I think what it shows, if you actually read what they say, uh, it wasn't actually details of who to vote for. It was just in the upper house to do this, um, vote for them and them, and that's it. Mm. And I think what that indicates is, uh, which a lot of people know about, was that there was a large degree of difference of opinion amongst the, the board itself and amongst the community at large. And I think what this illustrates is, which what would we say, that what we should be working for instead of getting involved in, in these things is to build a strong, self-reliant and a united community. And obviously that's a larger discussion on each point that when you talk about how do you do that, but on the point of unity, going down this path only creates discord and division. Because what you'll find is what we found outside the Jummas, someone's holding, uh, handing out pamphlets for the Greens, for Labour, for Liberal. I saw it outside my... Uh, where I was praying one of the Fridays before the elections in Granville, where there was a big scuffle outside. One guy was for Labour, and the other guy was the other brother was for for Liberals, and he was exposing the fact that uh, Barry O'Farrell was giving his preferences to the Christian Democrats. So he had that going, and this other guy was uh, giving out the pamphlets for David Borger, and there was actually a bit of a, a scuffle and a, and a rather um, unbefitting. Um, incident after Juma, and others have told me of similar occurrences elsewhere, and that's what happens. This happens in the UK, it happens in the US, where Muslims have gone down this path because you divide the community along party lines with people according to their own party, and it gets uh, it gets quite ugly. The semantics of how people engage and the uh, I guess the protocols of being engaged politically, obviously they're clearly as you, the examples you've given, they're not even acting in accordance with Islamic behaviour, mm. with you know people getting into scuffles. I mean that's you know something you wouldn't support or even um, condone in any form. Um, but in terms of you mentioned, you know we should you know focus on having a, a self-reliant a large Muslim self-reliant community. So, how are we supposed to exist uh, in isolation for the, from the rest of the country? That doesn't sound very. No, self-reliant means independent. Yeah, it, not, not not in the isolation sense, in a sense of independent from the power structures of the society, the government number one. So, uh, how how does that even happen? So we live within a different set of rules in this country. No, no, no. You don't say. You, you live as citizens as everyone else lives. But I'll give you a a very specific example uh, to do with funding, for example. When you use the government's funding, in some areas it's fine because you're using it as any other citizens use it to build a hospital or something that is, is part of the rights of the citizens. But when areas that are specifically related to Islam and the practice of Islam, you'll find more often than not there are either explicit or implicit conditions placed upon the use of that funding. You're mentioning a very, very minor element of being a, you know associated as part of a nation. Um, everyone has the availability to funding, but being an independent society, like you've mentioned, that's a very niche element. How would you expect people to live day by day? What about roads and <laughs> no, taxes? I think, I think you're understanding it the wrong way. I'm not saying you create your own sort of pseudo state away from the government. You live as citizens, and and that's the point. Treat us as citizens as everyone else is being treated. They should. Well, not we are. Us. We're all no, we're Australian not. citizens. No, no, we're not. Well, we are in that respect. But then you find the you know the AFP has its community liaison team that's for the Muslims because we're a problem community, and the state government is doing these barbecues. Uh, you know, the state police, New South Wales police is doing these barbecues for the Muslims, right? Because, so there's this other aspect, the anti-terror laws, who are they for? You know? Well, the, so there's the, all these areas. The anti-terror laws, I think every Muslim knows, they're very skewed towards uh, the Islamic community, That's the Muslim right. community. Well, the, so we're not treated like everyone else, are we? As a Muslim community, I think we're devoid in some of the uh, civil rights, which is why I think Amcran was set up to sort of mm -hmm. uh, promote and lobby for movement. Um, 
But in saying that, we still need to take action. If people are not going to engage in these processes, we will continue to be downtreated and not given these rights that we deserve. And and isolating ourselves or becoming, you know, independent. I understand what you mean with, you know, funding. Obviously, if it's coming from sources or attached with strings that you've got to do this with your mosque or your school, I think any sensible person can see that. Uh, but if we desist from engaging or from voting, uh, that's I think that has cataclysmic uh, repercussions because if we go by that rationale, living in a non-Muslim system uh, as we do at the moment and not voting and, and living here, uh, what we still pay taxes and on all these other notions yep. uh, is by default quite hypocritical. You know, to to live here and experience those things and then refute uh, participation, uh, you're almost telling yourself that you're doing something haram, but you're still going to stay here. Uh, not because if we actually discussed, which I, which at the beginning I said was the foremost consideration, which is the Islamic angle, you'll find that's not the case. So very simple, the Prophet was living in Mecca, he was living there, he was engaging, but he was not taking part in the political system of that time as as um, simple as it was. They had it, they had a Dar al-Nadwa, and they even gave him the opportunity uh, in their own way, in their own coercive way to partake with certain compromises, uh, and he didn't do that. So that's the, uh, I think that where the discussion should begin, if not at least uh, mm. should be a large part of the discussion, which is, well, why is voting not allowed from an Islamic perspective? Um, and that, if we discuss that, then we could see, well, why there's nothing wrong with paying taxes or, or other things, but there is with these specific elements. In other words, it's not black and white. It's not you can't do anything or you can well, do everything. Well, well, as as many line. instances in Islam, there's a, it's a very large gray area, but there has been a, quite a bit of ishtihad, I think, from the ulama and a, quite a, f- a fair amount explicitly say that it is okay to vote uh, in, a, in a nation like this and it's sorry go ahead no no yeah sorry um yeah i just wanted to say that um according to brother Bedder's um you know standpoint um you know if we are living in in a democracy that you know allows us a different set of freedoms one of our freedoms can be to you know not uh, engage in the political process and um to to reject it uh, you know wholesale as long as of course we're not planning to you know, um, carry out any violent actions. I've just got a question here as well. Well, just to quickly comment yeah. on what you've said, ahead, yeah. you everyone clearly has that right to you know to be part of things or not to be a part of things. Uh, people vote formally or informally. You still technically have to vote to to an extent, mm. unless there are those concessions that Othman mentioned before. But to you know sit there and say that we're not getting our rights, we're being downtrodden, uh, we're you know obscure from the picture, we've been picked on in politics, and not take part is sort of, you know, putting yourself in a cage and sort of just praying for things to become good. You've got to take part. You've got to be engaged. Yeah. But again, what Othman is saying is that you do take part, just not through the it's democratic just a different process. Way. It's just a different whether way it's through part. the media. I think it's very whether. important to keep most non-Muslims, not most, but large proportions of people in America, in, in, in Europe, where it's not compulsory to vote, they don't vote. Yep. And they are largely apathetic of the system. Yep. That doesn't mean they lose their rights as citizens. It doesn't mean they the government says you're a separate whole area, we don't care. They don't vote. And that shows that they are very apathetic, they are very cynical about the system, and rightly so, because they've seen over many decades the way it works and the way it serves interest groups and not the common man. Choosing not to vote if you're apathetic with the system is one thing, but choosing not to vote because you think it's religiously incorrect is another thing. Uh, People who are saying, you know, it is haram or it is incorrect to vote is quite different when you're saying, well, I'm fed up with the system. Yeah, well, I agree with and that. That's why I said I think we should discuss we why We saw a high level of informal haram. votes in the last federal election. I think the entire yep. nation was quite fed up with things. 
Uh, I've just got a, a question and a comment here from uh, the, our listener from overseas. Uh, so she's got a question for other, other brothers. Did the Middle East countries vote for capitalism after the fall of Islam? She clarifies by saying, if we didn't, then what is the point of using the method of voting if it went against our wishes? Yeah, well, I would say that capitalism was imposed uh, by the colonial order upon the Muslim world. And that's why a lot of these systems have been imposed as well. I mean, well, the Muslims never voted or chose after the destruction of the caliphate to, to have any of these systems. Okay. Um, but that, again, would apply in the Middle Eastern context, not in an Australian of context. Course, or of course. An American yeah, context. But, that, but that's why the question of changing the system for us as the ummah applies there first. Like you wouldn't say, I want to implement Sharia law in Australia. We haven't got it in Egypt and Pakistan or anywhere in the Muslim world. Mm. That's why That's why I said it's a global discussion first. You set the global context and then say, okay, in that context, how do we see ourselves locally and how can we act locally uh, to further that agenda on a whole? Well, I, I agree with Uthman there. I don't know of any vote that happened at the fall of the, the, the last caliph, which people voted for capitalist or Western system or essentially the dictatorship that they received in many of these countries. So um, I'm not aware of anything that, to that uh, accord, but... Just to add comment to what Brother Othman just said, you know, acting globally, we've just seen changes in Tunisia, in Egypt, uh, there are movements in Bahrain, uh, Syria, uh, as well as in Yemen. So that'd be the perfect opportunity I'd go by uh, if you were working towards that global element. You mentioned Pakistan and Egypt there. Uh, so what are you doing there? Isn't this your opportunity to be there doing things now? Well, we're not a, we don't react. We've been there for the last 50 years doing what we're continuing to do whilst this is going on. So we have taken part on the ground. With so these should we expect to see a caliphate coming out of Egypt anytime soon? Well, we hope so. We pray to Allah. That Allah uh, what are you doing here then? Shouldn't you be over there working? No, well, as that? I said, the, the direct work is over there and our members work there. Uh, in the in uh, where in all the all the countries of the Muslim world, and sometimes under the harshest of conditions, in the jails and having torture and so forth, uh, but there's a big role in the West. If if arguably the biggest obstacle to the to the Khilaf and the Muslim world is Western foreign policy, because we understand that Mubarak and you know Bin Ali and those people they're not they don't get there by themselves. They're puppets. They're tin pot dictators. Who's pulling the strings? It's the masters in Washington and London. But you, and so when you're in London or in Sydney, to a lesser extent, because Australia just sort of follows on, tags onto America and the UK. But if you're in these countries, you're in a better position to use what Allah has given you of freedom and so forth to account these these governments, to put forth Islamic message and to contribute to public opinion uh, for that change from here in a way which sometimes they can't do. Their, their voices are, are repressed, but you're given a voice. You can be their voice from this place here. But yes, we would say at the same time, if we're able to go back and to, 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 to make that sacrifice, that would be better for you and the reward is certainly greater. Well, inshallah. I, th that's what I struggle to comprehend. You mentioned, you know, the oppressiveness, the unjustness of the states. Uh, I'm not quite clear. You haven't really explicitly said what you're doing or what your organization is doing in Egypt when there's a clear opportunity based on uh, the principles that you've mentioned. Essentially, I think, and I've got this, uh, I'm not quite sure the, the exact uh, page number, it's from Ibn Taymiyyah. An oppressive and unjust state, which is supposedly a Muslim one, is much worse than one which is based on justice. If a non-believing nation, uh, if it is, even if it is a non-believing nation, it is better to live in the, in the non-believing nation. So, essentially, as I said at the beginning, <coughs> this life is really about justice and oppression. So the opportunity for us to live as Muslims as best as we can uh, and from the examples we have around the world is in countries like Australia, like the UK, like the US, where we have that ability to practice our religions. There's nothing in the pledge that we take as Australian citizens that says 
you've got to be Christian, you can't practice Islam. Uh, in fact, if such a law came across saying, you know, Muslims were banned, you'd have the majority of Australians who are not Muslim speaking up against the civil liberties of Muslims saying you can't do this. Hmm. Whereas you did quite rightly point out that members of your organisation are, you know, in jail or being, you know, tortured hmm. and and treated quite uh, oppressively. Yeah, but the point is that it's at the behest of these governments. That's what I would dispute this fact that somehow Australia and the UK are are just societies. What they're saying is they're completely just societies, but in terms of a balance of uh, sensibility, Mm. we can quite clearly practice our faiths, take part in things, shape foreign policy, which is quite clearly what you've said before. How is it a a just society? It exports its oppression overseas, it stuffs up the whole world, and says we want to keep our own society very nice. I didn't say it was a perfectly just society. I said to a point, we have these opportunities, democratic Mm. and free opportunities to take part in these systems, which don't exist in the Middle Eastern countries, and which is what, quite exactly what these people in these countries have been moving towards, what they want, what mm. they desire. This is very fascinating. I would love to keep it for another hour, but unfortunately we have come to the end of our program, so I'd like from each of you to give me about 20 seconds, 30 seconds, just to wrap up your arguments, uh, Brother Athman. Yeah, look, as I said, I think we probably didn't get to the crux of the argument, which I said primary consideration is Islamic texts uh, as to why... Those who argue that you can't vote uh, argue so. That would be the, that would be the main discussion that needs to be had. Because at the end of the day, if something is haram, then no amount of benefit makes it permissible. Um, yes, if it's a necessity situation, death and so forth, which is not relevant in this case by and large, that'd be different. But otherwise, no amount of benefit changes that. The only other point I'd make is again to put things in their greater context. So we shouldn't limit ourselves to the Australian context and say, well, what can we do here as Muslims, given our very localized uh, scenario we should broaden our horizons in w- in what is a very globalized world um and understand what the global agenda of the muslim ummah is set it and then move forward you know so abdullah has been saying you know what what have you been doing we've been doing what we can and obviously we can have that discussion another time but it's not hezbollah tahrir's obligation it's the ummah's obligation yep. so if you think our method is wrong or or deficient which which may be the case you know you need to have another method. It doesn't mean you leave the aspect alone, the global aspect, which is uh, uh, much more uh, pertinent, and say, well, we'll do this here. It's just about where we live in terms of, of justice. Jazakallah khan, Brother Uthman and Abdullah. Well, uh, I seconds. take up a few things there. Oh, I think I'll hopefully I've got more than 30 seconds. But uh, y- you mentioned, um, you know, in terms of priorities and working through things. Oh, you didn't, sorry, you didn't mention priorities. You mentioned... Um, uh, the system or what you're doing it's not totally your responsibility as muslims uh, there are priorities we have to take uh, first and foremost we need to practice our deen you know that we have the sunnah and the hadith uh, you know praying fasting many muslims don't even do these things at the moment and i think the the state of the khalif will come in a natural succession eventually one day once the muslim ummah is practicing and, and moving towards those ideals allah has told us in surah nur quite explicitly that these things will naturally occur there's no need to jump to a, a conclusion when you know half the populace, or more than half the ummah, most probably, isn't even on these basic uh, Islamic principles, so that that needs to be something taken into context. And the second thing is, I'm not a fakir, and uh, neither are you, from what I understand. So t- talking about halal and haram wouldn't be appropriate. And the other thing is, I don't think anyone can quite clearly say uh, voting is explicitly haram because it is one of those points that the uh, the the scholars have differed on. But I'd say the majority say it's quite okay in a Western country to vote. So it's quite open uh, to Muslims to make their own uh, dis- to decision about that. 
Jazakumullah khairan. Very, very interesting and important points. Uh, I would like to thank both of you for coming in at such a late hour. I just thought it'd be much more chilled out if we have it at a late hour rather <laughs> than, you know, at six o'clock in the afternoon or something. So thank you very much for coming this time and for, you know, um, sharing your ideas and your opinions. So thank you, Brother Uthman. No, thank you very much. I think it's a very good initiative to have these discussions in the yeah, community. I totally agree. Jazakallah khair. And thank you to the station and to the audience who've put no up problem. with us for the last hour or so. Um, I would like to thank also Brother Jihad, who at uh, very, very... Uh, Brother who? Jihad. Okay. Yeah, Jihad uh, from, um, I actually don't know his surname, Jihad from the Brotherhood um, Rap Group, who uh, was able to help me with the introduction of the show. I just emailed him, and straight away he called me up and was very helpful. So, Jazakallah khairan. Mm. And if anyone out there likes rap, you know, follow the Brotherhood. Uh, I would also like to uh, ask to thank the listeners for tuning in at such a late hour as well. Um, also, Brother Len Stewart um, adds in a comment at the last seconds. The golden goal is Muslims in Australia cannot practice their deen in its totality. I would love to uh, get into that, but of course we've run out of time. Go to another country. <laughs> so, Jazakumullah khair and all our listeners for your feedback and for your contributions. Um, I would love more feedback from you. Send messages to the group um, or, you know, text me or put it on tw my Twitter account. Just let me know, you know, uh, what did you want? Did you want longer time? Did you want different topics, etc.? Uh, we are going to uh, have, uh, you know, further discussions, whether it's on democracy, whether it's on other issues, inshallah. Uh, it will just be whatever is most appropriate. Um, we come to the end of our show now. Um, we have, I think, Quran or Tafsir next, so tune in for that as well. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. With your uh, TV, uh, with your uh, program presenter, Abdul Nasser Khatib. Assalamu alaikum. To the E, to the H, A, D. It's only my name, not war on your country. Get your facts right before you start spreading. Jihad is a struggle in the direction I'm heading. I ain't no sheikh. As long as they love Sharia and hate democracy, that's fine. You have to hate it. The values of democracy are not incompatible with the values of Islam. With regards to voting, I think that's too extreme if someone says it's shirk. There are some scholars who permit voting. And Ali makes a very important point. He says, no, the Quran is a book written in a straight line between two covers. It requires interpretation.